I've been podcasting now for about six years, I think. And before that, so seven years ago, I actually spent about five years writing for a couple of websites. Now, the first two or three years of that was video games. And it was like a dream job in a way, writing about video games. I play a lot of video games. One of the reasons I end up on Twitch and that kind of stuff is because I love video games and I like playing them. And so reviewing them seems like a dream job. And it was a good job, but it certainly wasn't the dream job I expected it to be, which is sort of the reality of dream jobs. Uh, You ended up playing games as quickly as possible so you could say you finished it. So then you could talk about all the stuff that was interesting to you. Now, I was primarily interested in plot points and things like that. So I actually rarely talked about gameplay, which is kind of interesting because gameplay quite often fell secondary. If it would just if it didn't get in the way, I liked it. That was fine. So I was a very easy game reviewer. So often I wanted to talk about other stuff. So I came up with a system and it was to maximize the amount of articles I could produce because that was, I got paid by the article. And so it was one big game. So like a triple A game, open world, it's going to take like 40 to 60 hours to complete. I had a small game, which would still be like a, a mainline game. And then I would have uh, mobile games that I could play on the train. And on the mobile games, you don't have to finish them because most of them have no end point. And so that way I could produce three articles a week but it meant my day off just like I do now my day off was just sit down write for two hours play a game write for two hours play a game write for two hours now what I do on my day off I wake up I record a podcast I have lunch I record a podcast and then I'll actually edit the podcast that afternoon so that level of work is just inherent for me I have no problem with that but it did there was a couple problems with video reviewing video games that people don't think about is a you don't get to enjoy the video game. Like if it's something you really want to play, your your goal is to finish as much of you of it as you can or complete it as quickly as possible. So you're not taking time. And I've realized I'm a slow player. I'll walk around, I'll do stuff. I'm playing Days Gone right now. And the thing is, I will spend a lot of time just driving around. Like I don't mind the driving around. I, I think for the, the other users... Days Gone should absolutely have a fast travel system that's more efficient. But I don't mind driving from place to place, but I also realize that's unusual. That website shut down. Well, I should talk about them in order. So while writing for video games, I made the internet angry at me twice. And this is kind of the topic for today, is making the internet angry at you, which uh, is usually just a fact that people don't read or listen very well anymore. So I... Remember, the title I wrote was, I forget what it was. It was something, it was like the game, A Straight White Male Perspective. That is absolutely correct. Yes, reading a book is amazing. And then uh, book reports suck, which is actually what video game journalism is most of the time. It's just a book report. Now, so I wrote this title and it was A Straight White Male Perspective. I being the straight white male in question. I I thought that was obviously ironic because this was peak Gamergate and stuff like that. Actually, probably the tail end of Gamergate. It was probably like t- trailing off. And I thought it's, it's obvious if you put that so blatantly in the title that people will realize it's a joke. And then what I've learned since then is that nobody 
or someone will always not get the joke. I should change the name of the podcast. I get over here. Change the name of the podcast to C McBee Straight White Male Perspective. <laughs> but then, yeah, I thought it was. I thought people would get the joke and then read the article. So if they didn't get the joke right away, if you read the article, it would come out clearly that what I was saying, like there's different perspectives, different things need to happen, and this is you know diversity is good, all that kind of stuff was in there. But it was an essay. It was like about two pages long. And then when I started reading comments and getting all the angry feedback, I realized most people never got past the first paragraph. They would read the title. And some people would start commenting after reading the title. Most people would read the first paragraph, maybe in total. And a lot of them seemed like they didn't even get that far. So that I would get, there were all these angry comments in the comment section. And I was like, but I can point to you where in the whole article, I point out the opposite opinion or that's not true. And me actually saying that, you know, straight white male perspective is not valuable for just not inherently valuable because there are so many straight white male perspectives. We have to talk about them as individuals, as people. That kind of stuff uh, apparently was too subtle. And I, I realize now it's because the audience didn't know me. So how could they actually understand what I was saying and what was a joke and what wasn't a joke? First, I have a question. Has writing an article about a game ever killed the magic of a game for you? Um, it didn't kill the magic of a single game it did kill the magic of gaming. And that kind of goes back to what I say is it depends a lot on how you play. If you are the kind of person who drives towards the finish of a game. So Mr. Warmhands and I play together. Mr. Warmhands will skip every cutscene. Uh, he doesn't care about the story. He just wants the gameplay. And so he probably plays games at a faster rate than I do just inherently. And that's how he enjoys games. Whereas I am the other side where I'm all about the story. For me, I used to when I was a kid, I used to have two books on me all the time because you didn't have mobile gaming media. And as I got older and moved to Japan, I got a job, I got a house, I got I got I got, you know, consoles and stuff. I've noticed that gaming has supplanted reading for me, but it is still a way that I get narratives into my life. And so if I'm playing a game as fast as I can to get to the end, it means I'm not taking the time that I would normally do to enjoy the game. So I realized when I finished that job, it was about two or three years I did that job. When I finished it, I was happier playing video games. So if I could do it at my own pace, it would be good. And actually, I think live streaming on Twitch has been beneficial because I can make comments as I play, but I don't need to change the pace of play for people to actually kind of enjoy it. Then for the next two years, because of that job, I was fairly successful overall. And the guys I worked with really liked me. They started a new website. It was about Japan. And it was the same problem. I realized when I wrote about Japan, I would make statements early on. And then maybe I would contradict those statements or prove those statements to be not true later in the article. That was very problematic because people would get, wouldn't get all the way through the article before they would start typing out their comments about how angry they are at you in the world and how you're a terrible person. You don't know anything about Japan. People loved saying you don't know about Japan, even though because I'm writing about Japan, I was technically writing from an expert point of view because I'd be writing about something that I do know about. Technical errors were just explosive. So I wrote about a woman, I think it was the 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 mayor of Tokyo, Koiki Eiko, maybe. I forget her name because it was a few years ago. And I said, she is the first legitimate party leader in Japan and she is the first woman who has a real shot at becoming the prime minister. Now, 
in the 60s or 70s, there was a female leader of a party. So very technically what I said was not true. Uh, she wasn't the first party leader. But if you get into the actual history of the situation, the other lady, so of course this came out in a comment, like how can you dare call yourself an expert in Japanese stuff or history or politics when you get this fact wrong? And the thing is, I was saying that Eiko, Koiki Eiko, had a legitimate chance of being prime minister, whereas the woman he was talking about became the technical leader of a party that was dying. So basically all the guys who were in charge of it were like, well, we don't want to be in charge of this party that's going to die soon. So we're going to take this lady, put her in charge. It'll make us look very sort of forward thinking. And then the party will die and it won't be our fault. So she never could have become prime minister, which was kind of my point. No, so has anyone ever said you're not even Japanese? How can you know Japan? No, but usually, honestly, the engagement level I get is quite low. If I'm being really honest, uh, yeah, that's that's maybe the first thing is uh, none of the stuff I've done is big enough to get massive engagement. It wouldn't take long though. If something got popular or famous, people would be like. It, if you look at like big TikTokers who talk about Japan, they are constantly getting comments like, you're not Japanese, how can you talk about Japan? But that's like saying you have to be something to talk about it, which actually doesn't make sense. So no one said that to me yet. But also when I'm talking about, I'm usually presenting facts first, which actually gets into the next part of what I'm talking about. And then there were people who, when you would write an article, it was actually kind of clear that they were jealous that they weren't doing the same job. Yeah, I actually quite like TikTok, but it's because it's much like Reddit. If you have Reddit, you have to like curate your subreddits. And if you're on TikTok, you have to curate your TikTok feed. So if you just go in, we actually did an experiment at work. So we got like four or five of my coworkers together. and We just started TikTok or Instagram accounts um, to see how quickly we were just getting, like what the algorithm tried to suggest for us and what it ended up showing us. And for all the men, it was like girls in bikinis, like instantly. Um, I, I, once you start curating, cutting out all the stuff, you actually get some good stuff there. And I think that's probably true with any system. I actually hated Reddit at first. And then I realized you have to subscribe to the subreddits that interest you, and those will show up in your feed, and not just the stuff that's most popular, which is quite often really dumb. So now that I've curated my feed, my TikTok feed is unusual in that it's a lot of judo and fighting videos because those are actually best in tiktok form because you don't want to watch the five ten minute thing you want to watch the moment where the fight turns or the guy wins that's cool uh and then i follow a few of them that actually say pretty smart stuff uh but uh, yeah people blame tiktok or the system when it's actually they haven't done it yet I I actually had the same feeling that TikTok was just young girls dancing. But that's because when I started a TikTok account, that's all TikTok suggested for me. Really quickly figured out um, that a specific type of dance I preferred over others. So like the girls doing the TikTok challenge dances, I didn't get. But if it was like semi-professional dancers doing really cool stuff, I, I would watch that. And it started throwing those into my feed really quickly. The TikTok algorithm is scary. Uh, if you want to talk about that for a second... Because like Facebook or Instagram only has one or two points of data to, to feed into the algorithm. It's just, uh, do you watch it and do you like it? Whereas TikTok measures how long you watch something before you scroll. Uh, it checks if you watch the whole thing once or twice or multiple times because the loops. 
It'll check uh, if you hard it and like all these other stuff. So stuff there that comes up on the screen and you flip right away, it's actually doing that as a negative point. And that's how it sort of starts to figure you out. So the TikTok algorithm actually is quite good at figuring people out really quickly because it has more points of data it's measuring on each video. And using the algorithm, because my TikTok is just Cmic B or Ninja News Japan, these podcasts I make just cut up into like one minute bits, sometimes little game video clips. Um, again, most people don't watch the whole thing. Like it'll tell you how many seconds of the one minute clip people watch. And usually it's around 30 seconds and they give up. So if you don't get the hook in the first 30 seconds, they move on. Now, again, I don't care about being popular or famous on TikTok, but that is one of those things that it's, it's a little bit scary. Do you think the TikTok database has a clone of you, which is the same temperament as you? I think it actually probably does. I would be interested. So this is an experiment I would love to do. I'd love to go to one of these tech companies, go to Instagram or TikTok or something and say, I want you to take all the pictures I've looked at of women, me being a straight white male, have that come out again, of women and compile those into one woman and have it show me what the perfect woman is and see if I actually believe it. So the algorithm right now thinks what it, it knows I like. And I want it to, to take all that information, put it together and show me, and is it what I actually like? Like, I bet it's going to be good, but is it like, it should be, you fall in love with it instantly. Uh, what is the movie? It's about a guy who lives, it's like a tech billionaire and he's created uh, androids that are basically self-aware. Uh, and then he wants this programmer to come work with him, and then the programmer meets the woman, and then he, later on in the movie, he just looks at the, at the guy and he goes, did you compile her face based off my porn searches? Which would be how you get the perfect woman physically for that guy, and that it sparked that idea in my head. All these algorithms have an idea of what I find attractive. All these algorithms have an idea of what I want or what I like, I would really like the algorithm to present it to me one day just to see if I agree. Because that would be really interesting. I got to find that movie now. Android movies. It's going to have to be... It was in the, it was in the last uh, few years. I watched Mother. Mother was pretty good. Lost Daughter, Shadow and Cloud. Ex Machina. Ah, there you go. I knew it was Latin-ish. So, in this movie... Uh, the robot is created and the creator is trying to perfect it. Uh, let's get back. The creator uh, is, is feeding all this information to the AI and the AI basically is trying to make this guy fall in love with him, her so that she can manipulate him to gain her freedom. That's the, the basic plot. It's, the twist at the end is really awesome. It's awful, but awesome. Uh, this has me wondering how data collection ties in with the threat of AI. The problem is... We think of AI as an oppositional threat, right? Uh, and I think that's not how AI would work because that is a human idea. So if you look at all robot movies and AI movies, it's always humans versus AI. Now, if AI understood what you liked and wanted to control you, it would not take an adversarial stance. AI would say, well, Chunk Me Beef Chest, he likes this, this, and this. If we offer him this, he will work for us. Uh, if um, Twitch username system sucks, likes this, this and this and this, we'll offer them that 
and they will work for us. And that was a way more logical way for AI to take over humanity. I'm going to maybe not even give it to you. I'm going to offer it to you. I'm going to drip feed you what you like, what you want. And you're going to keep coming along because human psychology is very simple in these things. Humans want comfort. They want the things they want. They have desires. The AI will offer you not to fulfill the desire because that's the problem. If you fulfill the desire, you actually, there's nothing, no reason for the person to do anything. And actually, I have a belief that if we have our desires fulfilled, we get bored. Um, So you need something to strive for. So it would always give you like 80% of what you want and then say, we can do more. You can do what you want. This and this and this and this. Uh, Or it would put us in a sort of state of passivity by feeding us what we want so we would have no desire to fight back against the AI. Why would I ever do that? Because AI is just making me happy. The the interesting thing about uh, human desires is they're mutable. So... I think we are inherently dissatisfied. So our inherent dissatisfaction is going to lead us to a different place. And that inherent dissatisfaction means the AI will always have to keep up to keep us pacified. But I also don't think it would be very hard. That's maybe the more interesting part is how easy it would be to pacify so much of the population. Because if you just look at what's popular uh, currently... It's, it's getting more extreme. I think that's just normal. I think we get more extremes and then like the pendulum swings back and forth and we'll go back to the middle and then it'll get more extreme and then more in the middle. But like uh, the opulence that people strive for that is completely unnecessary. I actually was having a conversation the other day with uh, a coworker and I was like, when you get past $10 million of wealth, uh, how does your life change? So I was actually saying we should we should have a limit on wealth. You can make $10 million a year. Now, it's of course, with inflation and stuff, that number would change. But if you have $10 million and you make another million dollars, I don't think your life changes anymore. You just have a bigger number you can say to other people. But that's, we need to get that out of people's systems. So you have Elon Musk and, and uh, Jeff Bezos. I may have actually said this in Ninja News. I did. I said this in Ninja News Japan this morning. So anyone listens to that and then this, they're actually going to get the same mini podcast twice. Like it doesn't benefit, it doesn't even benefit them anymore. Like I think all that money should go to benefit society. We'd fix so many problems. But when you have $42 billion, when you get $46 billion, what does that mean for your life? And it means nothing. So that $2 billion should just go back into society. Elon Musk is quite minimalistic. I bet his house is not. I bet the way he dresses is or something like that. But I I saw an interview with him. He has like a million, two million, three million dollar mansion. And I bet he's got more than one house and stuff. Minimalistic is relative. I'm minimalistic because I'm not rich. <laughs> but I'm also minimalistic because you can see the room behind me. There's nothing on the walls. I have a chin up rack. I have my bed uh, this way. I got Dave, Dave's bed. I mean, you can see a lot about my personality right there. Uh, There's a yoga mat. So clearly, I want to exercise. I want to sleep. I want to hang out with my dog. That's my lifestyle. And I want to do this. I want to podcast and stuff. Yeah, I would be interested in uh, what he ends up doing with his money. Because he bought Twitter. But the proposal was put out there by the world hunger guys that if he... uh, 
just gave them $6 billion, they could solve world hunger. And he didn't. He said, he said, show me a plan and I'll give it to you. And they said, okay, well, here's the plan. And they didn't do it. But then he bought Twitter for $42 billion. And I'm like, dude, the $6 billion doesn't mean anything to you anymore. The guy had even worked out. It was 0.03% of all the billionaires' wealth. So if all the billionaires gave 0.03% of the money they made in one year, he says he could solve world hunger. But none of them will do it. None of them will step up because they don't want to let go because that big number is what they're chasing, not actual like benefits to the world. Now, I'm old enough now that I think if I got rich now, I would, again, I'd hit a limit and be like, well, this money's not doing anything for me anymore. I'll start giving it away or trying to, you know, give back to society in some way. I think I might be immediately corrupted, but I think that's something that maybe happens to you at a certain age. Like I'm now, I think the way my brain works, even if my life situation changes, my brain isn't going to change anymore. It's just not mutable that way because I'm old and I'm going to die soon. I had a student who had seven companies, he was the president of seven companies, and he said his goal was to find the sort of secret of youth. He wanted to do that. He wanted to create the fountain of youth through like, so he had like a, a vitamin company and, and, and like natural homeopathic cure companies and stuff. And he was super cool. But you could see what he was trying to do wasn't was like make himself immortal. He was like, I want to make society's existence healthier. So again, I had a lot of respect for him because he had tons of money, but he, all the money he had, he put into creating new companies that would make people healthier. So, I mean, you can't argue with that. Yeah, no, I would, I'm not smart enough. That's actually my problem. All I can do is spout garbage out of my face. Comment section. (laughs) No, I, this was a great guy to just talk to for an hour. Like any conversation with him was interesting. He would talk about what he wants to do next. He would talk about, basically he started a company, got it running, got it successful. He would move on. He would have someone else in place. He was still technically president, but he had a CEO actually run the company and then he would just make a new company. So all these CEOs were making tons of money as well. And he's just like next company, next company, the next thing on health um, benefiting like humanity is great. There was a subset of comments that to me, it was relatively clear that they were actually jealous that they weren't writing video game articles or they weren't writing articles about Japan. So they would get really shitty and call you stupid, but they didn't really have a reason or a point to back it up. So I don't mind if people call me stupid if they give me a reason because that at least lets me argue back. But if they just say, you're dumb, uh, because one of the comments was, oh, idiot video game journalist, dur, 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 (laughs) which I actually thought was really funny. In the next article I wrote, I took a screenshot and then I, the caption for the character was, uh, I'm a dumb police officer, dur, dur, dur. And basically only my editor got it, but it was really funny. Most recently, when I've been having even friendly arguments with people, what I've noticed is as soon as you start winning, the most common tactic is changing, like moving the goalposts, so changing the situation they're arguing. Um, and then as soon as they change the situation, if you go with them, you get just taken into this this endless argument but what you need to go is no 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 that's a different argument we have to finish the one we're having first um or if you really want to annoy someone is when they start arguing with you make them define their terms so like when you say that what do you mean you need to define that so we know we're talking and they'll go like you know everyone knows what that means i was like well we have to actually make sure we're talking about the same thing and then people get so flustered when they have to define something in the moment 
uh, it actually often becomes clear whether or not they actually know what they're talking about. So I enjoy making people like, okay, well, when you say socialism, can you define socialism? So I know if we're talking about the same thing, are you talking about uh, Nazi socialism from World War II? Are you talking about uh, the Canadian Republic socialism? Because Canada is a, a socialist republic. So which kind of socialism are you talking about? And then make them define it. And often they can't. And I'd be like, well, you know, we can't argue if you, you don't even know what you're talking about. And then they've kind of lost de facto because they can't even say what they want to say. Because most people are using talking points they've heard on the news. If you're having like arguments with people who are oppositional. Um, but ask them to define something and they usually can't. No, but again, that shows you're, you're self-aware. So I think I do something like that unintentionally, define your terms, because I don't actually understand what words mean. I have a presupposed notion of what a word means or the feeling attached to them rather. Yeah, but again, that's actually sensible because if they can define it, then you can have a conversation or, you know, a fun argument. If they can't define it, well, then what are you supposed to do with it? So it's, it's really fair. And I do it as a, as a tactic where you don't, what you're doing is actually saying, like, I want to talk to you sincerely. So I need you to define what you're talking about so I can talk to you sincerely, which is actually way more honest than what I'm doing. I'm trying to like get people who annoy me in a situation where they, they can't say stuff and they get flustered and quit. So about three weeks ago, I posted a TikTok. It was a clip from Ninja News Japan. It was about a minute and something long. Actually, I think I have it up on a different screen. So let me see. Yes, it is a minute long and three seconds. And from that minute long and three seconds, in there, I made a joke. Now, I've realized this was unintentional, that there's a very set pattern to the kind of humor that I put into Ninja News Japan. So I tell the news. So I talk about the news and I just give you the facts. And then I editorialize a bit. I kind of give my opinion on the news. And then I make a joke. And the joke is usually an exaggerated version of what would happen in this story or the situation. And then I give you some kind of conclusion. And so in this story, what I was talking about was the school dress code rules in Japan. And they're changing some of them because one of them is uh, about how or what color students' underwear has to be. And the issue that becomes immediately apparent is that if you are going to make a rule that students have to wear a certain kind of underwear, that would imply that sooner or later someone has to check what color their underwear is, which I believe is a violation of sort of their civil rights. Like, I don't think teachers should be checking students' underwear. So I gave the news. Schools are getting rid of this rule. Uh, and then I gave some editorialized. That was a problem in the first place because if you make a rule, sooner or later someone has to enforce the rule or you get someone who's like weird, who, who thinks it's a really appropriate to enforce the rule. Then... I made a joke and I said, how would you check it? And I thought of the grossest way you could check it. So let's play that right now so you can hear the joke. So this is from a TikTok. It's going to be weird. I could play you the whole one minute clip, but the whole one minute, okay, the, the, the version, the short version, let me give you that. The mistake was the way they wrote the rule. So the rule is fine. Really what they wanted to say was you can't wear underwear that shows through your school uniform because 
you know, uh, that's kind of pervy men are gross. That's actually part of the problem. Now, instead of saying that, your underwear cannot be seen through your school uniform, which I think would be a fair rule. What they said was you have to wear, let's say, white underwear, which is sort of, so my, my view, the problem wasn't the rule. It was the wording of the rule because they took the opposite tack. Um, this goes in line with the older rule that you have to have black hair if you're in a Japanese school. Now, the problem isn't, what they really wanted to say was students should not be allowed to dye their hair. So they don't want kids at that time, probably all were Japanese kids, all had black hair. So they're like, we don't want you to bleach your hair blonde. So you have to have black hair. But now in modern society, 2020, you got mixed kids. Like my kids are mixed. They go to school. My daughter doesn't have black hair. But if the rule is you have to have black hair, she's going to have to dye her hair black, which is the opposite of the intended rule. So these two rules have the same problem, is that the rule they've written, the intent is correct, but the words are wrong. And so they have to turn around and actually rewrite the rule. So make the rule, we can't see your underwear, no one has to check it. Make the rule, you have to wear white underwear, sooner or later someone has to check it. So this is my gross joke about this rule rule you'd have to be like all right ladies line up i will lie down and you all walk over me (laughs) and then i will check all your underwear or something so you can see that is gross and my intent was that was an exaggerated the worst way to check the underwear rule that i have just spent 30 40 seconds explaining is a bad rule and not something we want to do uh the day or two days after i posted this Yeah, I thought it was funny too. That's why I'm laughing in the video. A girl cherry-picked that one sentence, edited it out, pulled it out, posted it on her TikTok saying that this old guy was a sexual predator and he's over-sexualizing girls in Japan. Now, what she had done was remove all context. Now, what she really wanted was a gotcha. Like, I've, I've caught this sexual predator. Now, if she was correct, people would have come to my page and started putting like, dozens of comments of how disgusting I am and that didn't happen because if you come to my page you probably have to watch the one full one minute video to get to that part where I make the joke yeah I have been I've been told I have an offensive sense of humor I think exaggeration is just obvious but again kind of the whole premise it clearly isn't Because this woman was looking for controversy. She was looking for something she could attack because that's popular on the internet. Uh, I just blocked her and ignored it because I figured engaging with her was a really bad idea. I was tempted to actually reach out to her and say, do you want to do an interview and discuss it? But I knew it was just going to go wrong. So it didn't matter. So I just, I didn't bother with that. I blocked her and I moved on. And then this other person, give it to me one more time came on and left some comments. But this person was respectful to a degree. So I left the comments and I started responding. Now, the thing is the TikTok comment threads, the TikTok comment threads never stay sort of in order. So it's actually really hard to read these in order, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, No, no, but I should have milked the controversy for content. I was tempted to, but because I was being accused of being a sexual predator, it was a bit stressful. So I was like, I actually just don't want that in my life. If someone is purposely removing context to create something offensive, like something to attack you with, that person isn't going to argue with you in a sincere way, which is kind of what you and I were talking about earlier. 
So I was like, no, I'm done with this. I'm just going to move on. So this other person came in, uh, give it to me one more time. That's the only way you can think to check? Uh, Question mark, exclamation point. Uh, I replied, you clearly misunderstood the joke. You shouldn't check. I clearly you shouldn't check at all, but I'm interested. How would you check? Now, my intent there was to say, like, if you think about it, there is no good way to check. And to me, any sensible person would say, you're right. You should not check the underwear. Or if you listen to the whole video that I just posted, the actual thing would be to change the rule so you don't have to check. Now, this person, of course, can't give it up. So it comes back with, girls show waistbands to female teachers. They all change in the same locker room so classmates will snitch, elect a member of the class to inspect. Those were her three suggestions on how to get someone to check your underwear. She never you know, gave up the point, you should not check the kid's underwear. And then, so I put, you didn't get the joke. She said, I understood the joke. It was elementary. I actually agree with that part. It's not a complicated joke, but it's not a complicated joke to me is why it's like, you should get it. Uh, right after this, I started talking to some people about the, some schools have a no ponytail rule because ponytails are seen as sexual, which I find, I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that, but it's because I'm not that level of perv. My criticism was that you, an intellectual adult. Now, I actually thought this was an interesting thing to put in there, an intellectual adult. And I think what she's doing is saying, like, I'm trying to appeal to you so that you end up agreeing with me because if you want to maintain the title of intellectual adult, you have to give up your point, which I would never do. An intellectual adult couldn't think of any other way to enforce the rule than doing what perverts do. Then you laughed because it was funny in a high school boy way. And then I reply, but that's the joke. Only perverts would enforce the rule, which is why is it is why it is so bad. This was the worst example I could come up with. And then in quotes, exaggeration. I actually think she wasn't being sarcastic only because people, they, again, this is actually like the AI thing. They drop in little things that if you go for it, then you have to kind of go their way to get the satisfaction of being called an intellectual male. Whereas because I don't consider this person an authority in any way, there's no peer pressure involved. I don't care if she thinks I'm an intellectual male or person. I don't think this, I don't think this person's Japanese. I mean, exaggeration is a really universal base form of humor. Okay, so actually, I got to read that out for people who listen to the podcast. Could it be a dishonesty between Japanese sense of humor and yours? Um, the biggest split between Western humor and Japanese humor is deep sarcasm. So deep sarcasm is not really a common form of humor in Japan. It happens. I mean, it happens with anyone, uh, any culture, but it's not a common one. Whereas in the West, we almost celebrate it. Japanese humor tends to be wordplay and situational <clears throat> and without being like too offensive, it a lot of the stuff on TV is really uh, almost old fashioned to me. So, yeah, there's going to be cultural points and things that aren't funny. But I think even if a Japanese person makes a joke that I don't find funny, I would still get it was a joke. I would also just realize I wouldn't find it funny. Anyways, I got I got one more, two more comments to do. So then I, I, I you can see I put in a bunch because I'm trying to respond to a bunch of different things. 
So, but that's the joke. Only perverts could enforce the rule, which is why is it bad? Why it is bad? This was the worst example I could come up with, and then in quotes, exaggeration. I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you want to say is you don't think the joke is funny, which is fair because what I'm saying is you just have a different sense of humor as me. It has nothing to do with anything else. You just don't think my joke is funny. And then I say, humor is a matter of taste, and I don't think you'll enjoy mine. I literally say in the video, a better way to change, the better way is to change the wording of the rule so there is no need to check color. But actually, the best part for me is the next sentence I say in this video. I don't know how you would check it. Whatever the answer is to that is gross. So that last sentence is, again, my final summary, my conclusion, is that whatever you come up with to check someone's underwear is gross. Like there is no good answer to that question. But of course, everyone seems to be cutting the, the, the context from before and, and the conclusion that I give afterwards, literally saying the thing I just said, that's gross. And they seem to miss it because they're so hyper-focused on the one little sexual thing I said. When I was in university, all my friends were like second generation Asian kids. So my girlfriend was Korean Canadian. And uh, her, so her family was, was all immigrants. I, my family's actually all immigrants. I'm first generation Irish. Uh, I was actually born in uh, Ireland and came to Canada when I was a baby. But the Irish humor and Western humor is identical. In context, there's no way to attack your argument. Yes. So that to me was the interesting part. The first woman who called me a sexual predator, she had to cut out the content so that she could make her attack, which is why, again, I thought it was insincere and there was no reason to actually have a conversation with her. This woman... I still think she didn't get the joke. And I think it's one of those things where I, when you say maybe you didn't get the joke, the person has to say they did. They have to respond that they got it. Otherwise, they look stupid because you can't admit you didn't get the joke because I've never run across anyone who would turn around and go like, oh, yeah, I didn't get the joke. Sorry. But, yeah, I think that last sentence is the saving grace. And so anyone who actually came and watched the video would actually know. But this is, to me some of the most painful parts of creating content for the internet. So now I used to write, I actually got into podcasting because I realized people don't write, don't read the whole essay that you write. Uh, they don't read the whole thing that you make. So it actually got really disheartening to write. And then I thought, if I make a podcast, if someone's going to listen to the podcast, they're going to listen to the whole thing. So at least they give you a shot. And I, these, these, your comments actually, I think make this better. So I appreciate that. Thank you for coming by and talking to me because, uh, this is actually my third po podcast today because next week I have to go renew my driver's license in Japan, which is going to be either super fast or take forever. And then the afternoon I have to go to the hospital for a checkup. So I think I'm not going to get to record anything next week. So I'm trying to get ahead of the thing, but, I, but being able to talk through in a bunch of extra stuff, which I really appreciate, but I think it's time to finish this. Uh, I have to make some kind of conclusion. The reason I turned away from writing and towards podcasting is because I thought it was very disheartening that people were not clearly not reading anything more than the first paragraph. So if you did a title paragraph picture, as far as I'm concerned, that article was finished. You didn't need to do any more. But of course, you needed more, more length to make it seem like it was real. 
So I turned to podcasting because I figured if anyone is going to give the podcast a chance, they're actually going to listen to the whole thing. And that way we run into a lot less of this. And what I have found is that in the podcast, I have had so far almost exclusively positive engagement. When I take bits of the podcast and put it on TikTok, let's say, or somewhere else on Instagram, that's where I find there is more misunderstanding. But again, I think some of that is purposeful. I think the person who extracted that one sentence so that they could attack me actually was being insincere in their argument. But podcasting is great. If you want to create stuff, podcasting is easy. If you do it on Twitch, I've actually moved to Twitch. I do it live, so I get great interactions with Twitch username sucks, system sucks. I turned to podcasting because writing, people don't know how to read anymore. Uh, if you want to create stuff, yeah, make sure you have a completely oral element to it. I am doing a podcast because I'm a straight white male. As they've made many jokes, every podcast is just straight white dudes talking about how hard their life is, which is kind of what I just did. I just realized that. Oh, it's so unfair that people don't read my article, so I had to turn to podcasting. Oh, that's how we should finish. Me lamenting my position in society because I don't have enough privilege.